it's kind of a weird looking lefty shot too. Maybe because I'm a lefty, so I can appreciate it. But it's cool. Uh, I always find a lefty shot to uh, be cool. But again, he's got everything, so it looks cool. And I think he he can be better than Daly at some point. But right now, he's not. Blue Hen Sports Cage on 91.3 WVUD with Teddy Gelman. I feel like I need to stand up in studio here and kind of experiment with how that would work. Brandon Halvek. Their whole defensive line has been arrested once or twice over the past two years. Ahmed Quadri. Yankees are fun to watch, end quote. That's it. That's all I ever said. And Jake Lampert. Eat more chicken. There you go. I'll throw a slogan in there if anyone here is uh, working for Chick-fil-A and wants to throw me some sandwiches. It's Sports Talk Radio on 91.3 WVUD. Welcome to the cage. Anybody have a, a fun story Thanksgiving? Anything fun happen? Uh, I was at the retail place oh, that's right. at the you, mall. You, you worked the whole day. I was working from 6 to midnight, so uh, nothing too crazy for me. Yeah. You, you get additional tips for Black Friday? Like, do you get additional stuff for Black Friday or... How does that work? Um, I just get paid, and it's just I was helping out the parents. We got a okay. nice little little store down there for the holidays, so I was okay. just helping them out. Okay. I didn't really get a chance to enjoy my Thanksgiving too, too much, but, you know, you get paid, so it's it's kind of a win-win. Yeah, that's good. Um, mine wasn't anything too fabulous. We we did have a couple games at the beginning of, of Thanksgiving, and then we had a break, obviously, off this week. A couple games. I did a four, day, four days. <laughs> four days. Back to back. Four games lungs in a row. are on fire. His lungs can bench like 400 pounds right now. They've been used so much. Well, we have a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. Yes. So, and yours truly well, was involved in all four. Just in time to bring us to a weekend in which we have four games in two days, tomorrow and Who's scheduling Saturday. these, man? It's not... It's not hey, a favorable matchup. <laughs> you know, it would be back to back. We need some rest. It's strength of schedule. What is going on? It here? really is back to back to back. <laughs> and and obviously the game that that was the biggest one for us heading into break was a football game that was a complete disaster for the Blue Hens team. We will get to that game and pretty much the disaster of a of a performance in that season finale. Brandon, you wanted to mention something though, didn't you? Oh yes. So. During, I, I was waiting. I was waiting for that to be brought up. Yeah, there's really no great transition, but it'll be worth. The it, story. it connects with the football game. Yeah, That's why yeah, I yeah, said yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Football game. So, the the plan on Saturday, if you listened, you'll know we were in the studio because Villanova has a very small stadium. They didn't have enough room to accommodate us there, so we called the game from the studio. And let me just say that I, I we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I do think it was good to acknowledge that you were in studio and not to make people think we were there and. Because it's it's a much different call when you're watching the live stream as opposed to physically being there. Absolutely. Um, so we didn't have any of the crowd noise and that sort of thing that we normally have. Um, but we are also in the studio, so we typically will have our two broadcasters at a game and a producer, and we still had those scheduled. So the plan was to have Hannah Trader and I call the game and Nick Canella to produce. Well, 1 o'clock rolls around, and Nick is not here to be found, has not replied to any messages Honestly, didn't think too much of it. We had a broadcast to do. We got to move on with whoever you have. He comes strolling in in the third corner with a big grin on his face. And he has the most remarkable story as to why he was late for the broadcast and why he didn't reply. So the day before the game, Nick was at the ECAC Championships, 
held at Delaware Stadium, which is a collection of Division Two and Division Three teams, and they had a whole tournament that weekend at Delaware Stadium. Delaware was on the road, so it was available for use Friday, Thursday, Friday, and I think Saturday, too. And he went to the bathroom, and as he's using the the classic P-Wall, his phone falls into <laughs> the oh P-Wall. Oh, no, boy. And he did not realize it. Goes back to his seat. How do you realize that it didn't just... I guess it fell out of his pocket, so he doesn't realize he doesn't have his phone. Goes back to his seat. Oh, I don't have my phone. Goes back into the bathroom, and there his phone lays, having been rained upon by the P-Wall in a continuous stream mm. over and over again. Um, so his phone was therefore toast, and then in the morning, the next day, he actually lost his wallet, um, so he went on a goose chase for that before he came into the game. Luckily, he found it. Where was that? Was okay. That was, I think that was at the game, too, that he lost That was it. Uh, in the stall, not in I'm the I'm not people. sure. <laughs> um, but he was able to get it back at the police department. Um, not but, the, yeah. I, I lost my wallet the, down on South Campus four years ago. Wow. Yeah, and I saw all my tra- I saw all those <laughs> thank transactions you, thank you for the that next throwback day. story there, Teddy. <laughs> but um, you know, the P wall might be going away. Um quite a way to end it. So I mean, what a way to to send it out for Nick Canella. Did he reach and he grabbed it? Like he went I think and- he left it. I, I mean it was it was done by then. <laughs> Do you reach your that's a good philosophical what question. iPhone is Do it? you reach your hand in to pick it out of the P wall? No. Considering it's no. been there for quite some time. I mean, you could try to get a glove, some kind of a, a thing to cover your hand with so that you cover yourself from the chemicals, and then maybe you get it out and bring it to, like, the phone emergency center, wherever that is, I don't know, the Verizon store, AT&T store, and see if they can restore faith in it. But that's pretty sickening. So he left it. Just I, take the L. I think so. Take an L, sure. get a new one. But then my next question is, you walk into the bathroom, there's a cell phone in the P-wall. And it's an iPhone X. And... Well, not, not, I'm not saying, Does that change your no, thought no, process? No, no, I'm not saying do you pick it up. I'm saying what goes through your mind about the poor soul whose phone fell tra- tragically in the P-wall? Well, okay, listen, I'm no math major here, but the angle that you need to have that phone at to fall and tumble down towards the P-wall. Yeah, you got to have a favorable bounce there. Uh, yeah, that you has, have a that lucky has to bounce. take one, maybe two yeah. really good bounce off like a leg or something but to honestly, land there. But honestly, the way my bank account is set up, I'd probably reach for like a Nokia phone at this junction of my life. So yeah, I, it's a little desperate now. Like the phone that they uh, yeah. posted the last time Eli Manning didn't start a game. This was the most popular phone. That little, I didn't see that, but it was probably it probably you know, you wasn't ABC on an number iPhone. one to text. Apple probably was just still making computers. My question, though, is why wouldn't he at least? I mean, I, I don't want to sound so like fist- send me an email. Yeah, I don't want to sound annoying here, like oh, I didn't send an email, but but why didn't he send an email saying, hey, so I left my phone in the P wall. He's maybe he's um, off the grid. I'm not gonna I'm know. not gonna make it in time. <laughs> um, that's funny though. I wish I was here to see his. his he could have sent a DM coming in. That's that's a good story though. <laughs> it's um, like the most like he like comments in like your Facebook post about something. Right. Like my story from the week before. Like uh, hey, I'm by really the way, excited my about this game, here, yeah. but uh, I'm not gonna be there on It's time. like a picture of your mom and he's like, Yeah, by the way, my, my phone's gonna be mm-hmm. Great Thanksgiving shot. If we're being <laughs> totally problems. honest, Nick missed nothing. What a disaster. Yeah. What well, he missed Im- nothing from Delaware's side. They didn't do anything. It, it, I mean, that's what yeah, I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. It, Just a pure embarrassment, an absolute pathetic performance. They don't come out. They don't play well. They get blown out by a team that had lost 
four in a row, injuries across the board, a nationally ranked team for much of the year for reasons that we still don't understand. But then Villanova limping into the season finale just completely outplayed this team. And then what happened the following days in the Blue Hens coaching staff, I'm thinking mainly Rocco, and the surrounding media, not including us, and fans who consistently basically made excuses, in my opinion, and I want to acknowledge that New Hampshire's selection into the committee was not bulletproof. They had their own issues here, but it's very hard for me, and I, we've talked about this off air, for you to look at this team and say, oh, we really should have got in, we really should have got in. If you just would have taken care of business, New Hampshire did win that first game last week, right, against whoever, yes. I forget who they, they played. Won. I forget who they played. So, overall, this is just a terrible way to end the season. But overall, I mean, I would still phrase the year as success. But that's up for you guys to say what you want to say, but the bad final game. Well, I'll just say, for those who don't know the argument in favor of Delaware being in the playoffs, everybody thought eight wins, eight and three, six and two would get them in. Uh, but they lost, so they were 7-4. and four. But a whole bunch of other teams around FCS football who were in that bubble discussion lost on the final Saturday of the year. So Delaware was kind of back into the picture. And Coach Rocco's main point is, in the simple rating system, which is a metric that's released to the public only after the FCS playoff selection committee makes their decision, Delaware was ranked 21st. 24 teams make it into the FCS playoffs. And New Hampshire, who made it in, in what many people think Delaware's spot, was same record. They were 31st. They don't have quite as good a win in the CAA as Delaware does, Stony Brook. And their worst loss is still somehow worse than Delaware's worst loss. Delaware's worst loss is Towson, 18-17 to on October 28th. They lost to Holy Cross, 47-26 uh, to earlier in the season. Their big win, quote-unquote, is against the 1-9 Georgia Southern team from the FBS Um so that, that's kind of the, the grounds for the argument that a lot of people were saying, well, Delaware should have been in. But I do also tend to side with you, Teddy, in that if they win against Villanova, we did have some doubt heading into the weekend that would they be in with the eight wins. But based off what else happened around the FCS, there would be no doubt that with eight wins uh, that they would be into the FCS playoffs. But that obviously wasn't the case. And it was almost as if when you look at the whole scope of matchups and scope of everything – you have to, and it's and it's hard to say for a selection committee what they think about when they put it. We're not in the room; we don't know what's going on. But to value the matchups Delaware had, hold, holding JMU to twenty points, holding Virginia Tech to twenty-seven points, you, you see the pure. We'll throw air quotes around dominance of the Delaware defense. But where does that factor in in the overall scope of a team? That's why I think when you look at that metric, whether it has Delaware at twenty-one, I think it was ha- carried by. They're, they're there because of their defense, and I think the offs, the, the pessimistic approach on why Delaware didn't get it, maybe they saw that there wasn't as much offensive success, and they thought they shouldn't just put a team in at surely defense. I don't really fully agree with that because Richmond had a couple—there was a whole thing, like Richmond's fully offense, but regardless of where they landed in the tournament, um, I don't really know how much they went into the whole team aspect as a whole to put Delaware in or out of the tournament. And there's the whole other idea about, well, if the Delaware team would have been in, you're going to have a home game here, you're going to get more money, attendance, and it's kind of hypocritical here because oftentimes the committee really, they put this tweet out about attendance and the numbers were dreadful. Did anybody see that? I did see that. It was, out of the first round games, 
I think over half of the sites had registered less than 5,000 people in the stands for a first-round playoff game. I mean, come on. But, now, but at, sure, yeah, at sure. the same time, I know Mike brought that up to me earlier this week. And that's what I, I'm, yeah. that's what I was thinking and about. And I'm like, okay, if, you, if we were at New Hampshire and they said, you know, New Hampshire and Delaware are pretty close, but we're going to pick Delaware for the sole purpose that their stadium seats 22,000 people, we would think that would be ridiculous. That mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the actual teams on the field and what they did over the course of the season. Um, so I am glad that that did not factor into the decision because I don't think that that would be fair to any of the teams involved. Well, now in the offseason, the biggest question, no doubt, is going to be the quarterback position here. Is there any... Here's where we basically could approach this. You got young guy Nolan Henderson and Caruso Walker. We saw that go in and out. Caruso, Walker, etc. At the end of the year, though, Walker established himself as a threat receiving-wise. I mean, wh- wh- where do you guys feel about where the uh, quarterback position is headed next year? I mean, is this is this a legit option, Henderson, at this point, to take that job? I think so. At the final media availability of the season, Coach Rocco said that it will be an open competition and that Nolan Henderson will have as good an opportunity as anyone else to take the starting job, and that he's been very impressed with what he did as the head of the scout team playing against the first-team defense throughout the season, and that as they reviewed tape every week, he did something that stood out on tape that made him go back and watch. And that's also what he said about the other freshman, Corey Sproul, and it's kind of points toward, okay, maybe they're excited about Henderson as the part of the next core. He also talked a lot about how they need to redefine what they are offensively, that they kind of did a patchwork job throughout the stretch of the season just to try to do enough to win all of those critical games. I I think that by adding Henderson in, who's an athletic guy who Rocco said can make all the throws, you would be able to kind of revamp the offense with a new identity because inevitably with a new quarterback, you will have to shape things to his abilities and to his strengths. And I think that's something that they want to do. They want to reinvent the offense. And I don't see a guy who has a better case to do a full 180 on the offense than Nolan Henderson. Maybe that's because we haven't seen him yet, um, but he'll have a chance to prove himself in spring drills and in the fall against Caruso and perhaps anyone else they bring in. If we want to talk clean slate and do a full 180, you have to pick the person that hasn't even been, I'm not going to say hasn't been involved, but hasn't had time on the field for the offense. If you start a clean slate, pick someone that hasn't done it. Uh, I think that when Rocco said that they all have an equal opportunity, I really think he meant that because we saw that this whole season was Walker, then Caruso, then Caruso 75%, 25% Walker, and then it changed to something else. This offense doesn't have its identity yet, so anyone can really step up and make that starting job theirs. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I agree with it. Uh, would you say this season is a success or not? I would say it is. He flipped it. He flipped it, right? So 7-4 and four team now and yeah. to a 4-7, and seven, and that's kind of what he's been known to do. So I like what he brought in. And, again, unfortunate how the postseason played out, but seven wins in the CAA in a tough football conference. Uh, there's no moral victories, but you'll, you'll take it. I agree. On the final... Delaware football roundup for game 11, Ahmed, you and I both, I think, said B-plus if we gave it mm-hmm. a letter grade. I would probably stick with that still. Yeah, so I think that's straight on. It would be in the A range if they made the playoffs. Yep. Um, 
if they had taken care of business and went eight and three instead of seven and four. But it certainly was a season in which those games at the end mattered, and I think that's at least personally what I was hoping for um, from a successful season. We did our little mid-season um, recap at the review, and that one of the things that I think a bunch of us mentioned was, can that Villanova game mean something? Is that going to be a playoff game? And that came true. It's just that Delaware didn't handle it when it came about. So the football season is finished. The Blue Hens will keep an eye on what happens in the rest of the FCS. JMU's in action this weekend, correct? Because they were off yes. last week. Uh, so the uh, JMU they play Stony Brook. So Stony Brook's still in. New Hampshire's still in. Elon lost in the first round. That was a close game. They lost. So three of the four CAA teams are still in. We'll be following those throughout. I want to go to break, but I'm just receiving a little bit of breaking news here that apparently there was an earthquake just outside of Dover moments ago. We did not feel anything down here in the studio. And I'm trying to look on Twitter and social media here to see are who... Are registering a 5.1 magnitude on the Richter scale? No, it says 4.4. 4.4, It okay. initially me- measured a 5.1, but okay. officials have since revised the number according okay. to ABC6 Action News. And a little more uh, extra nugget here. According to the Delaware Geological Survey's website, the largest earthquake with a Delaware land center, epicenter, excuse me, was 4.1 in 1971. So Upgrade. So if these numbers are true, biggest earthquake in Delaware history. They're saying that it was felt from New York City to Baltimore, even though it was outside of Dover. I wonder if we were outside, we would have felt it. But I, yeah. I, I just saw some things from other people on campus, and they said they didn't feel anything. Apparently, it was worst in outside of Washington, D.C. So that's very odd did, how that happened. It's in Delaware, but if you feel it more in D.C. Did anyone feel the last earthquake we had? I did. In the East Coast? I did, too. That yeah. was back in the was 2010 well, or like something like that. There fixtures in my house moving, so that was more noticeable. The, the, yeah. 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 That's what I had, too, like pictures yeah. on the wall. Kind well, of that shaking. was a while ago, right? Was that was like, about five years ago, so you probably like... 13 or 9. <laughs> <laughs> or 9. Yeah. yeah. That was definitely, I mean, that might even have been more than five years yeah. ago. My favorite was the memes of, um, I saw it was like four lawn chairs and one of them knocked yeah. down. Mm-hmm. We will rebuild. Classic. <laughs> Classic memes. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. The biggest story in the NFL this week had to do with two-time Super Bowl champion New York Giants quarterback Eli Manning, who was benched by one of the worst head coaches the Giants have ever seen, if not the worst, Ben McAdoo. Eli Manning has started, until this weekend, 210 consecutive games. He has been a consistent man in New York for a team that has been pretty much in contention almost every year until this year. Now, I'm not a fan of the Giants. I'm actually a fan of a team that is a rival of the Giants. But what I will say about this is this move bothered me more than any other benching move that I have ever seen from an NFL player, maybe even from an NBA, NHL, or MLB player. And the reason is because Eli Manning is the face of the franchise. Eli Manning has been put in a terrible situation right now with a coach who stinks, wide receivers who are hurt, a defense who stinks, and and a uh, GM right now who stinks as well. They all need to go, except Eli needs to stay if they're not going to treat him this way, though, he should go. Jacksonville could ring him up immediately, and he might bring them into real playoff contention. Otherwise, this is disrespectful. He deserves better. It's not fair. I don't care if he's not having the best season ever. You do not treat your two-time Super Bowl winning 14-year veteran, 210 consecutive starts like you do to Eli Manning. This is disrespectful. This is not fair. He deserves better. Wow, I kind of don't want to rage anymore because... <laughs> Uh, you kind of going against what I'm thinking. I agree with you, Teddy, though, but 
for the sake of argument and for entertainment purposes, I'll, I'll go against you. Look, I'm not, I'm not an Eli hater or anything, but I think the way the season has gone, I don't think it's that deep. I think I get it. He's got the accolades and all that, and he deserves to be out there till his arm falls off. Like that's cool. That makes sense. But you also have to put in your your backup quarterback. I think the biggest argument you know people should be making is why Geno Smith I, I get it if you have a bigger problem with Geno Smith starting you know instead of Eli sitting but again this is a lottery team heading for you know a top five top three lottery pick I would say arguably the best wide receiver in the game Odell Beckham Jr. is not on your team playing so you have to factor all of those things in again it is not that deep I think to say that he is maybe done forever or he's done with New York I think people are overreacting let him sit out. There's no reason really for him to be out there. Let Geno Smith make a fool of himself or look like a prodigy. Either way, you look like it. it's not really going to affect you because if he's bad, we knew that. If he's great, you know, I'm a great head coach or I'm a great GM, whatever it may be, let him go. It's not that deep. The, the, the thing here, the difference, is that Eli Manning has been made out to be the scapegoat in this whole thing. And I get, I get what you're saying. Okay, give Geno, Geno, Geno Smith a chance. They were already out of contention. And, yep. But what was even more disrespectful is that they came to him and they said, hey, do you want to start the game in order to keep your streak alive? But then we're going to play these other guys too. And Eli Manning did what I would have done. Said, no, you, you're going to treat me like that? I'll stay out. So I just have a little bit of a tough time like, wrapping my head around that. I get that. Because let, let's think about, this is what I was thinking about yesterday. Think about the quarterbacks who have been around like Eli Manning and are the faces like Eli Manning. Who do you have, Jake? Rock- there are eight teams that have the same NFL quarterback the past 10 seasons. Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco, and Eli Manning. They are the only eight quarterbacks who have been with the same team the past 10 years. Out of those eight quarterbacks, seven of them have won a Super Bowl in the last nine years. The Except only, for... only two that didn't, Peyton, who's not playing anymore, so he can't be eligible for this stat, mm-hmm. and Russell Wilson are the only two that don't count because Russell Wilson has Wait not... a couple years. Yeah, and he has not list. been with his team for 10 years, but we can assure you that he will be. Out of all those eight quarterbacks, none of them would even be in the same position that Eli Manning is in for m- multiple reasons, but I think with all the same idea that, like you said, he's their guy. He's the face of the New York Giants. It's I'm sorry, but it's not Odell to be the face of the New York Giants because everybody around the entire world loves Odell. Um, now it could it could it could be changing. It could be changing. I think it already has we can, changed. No, be, when you look at the people well, who think of the Giants, that signals that maybe it's over. But who who are you going to put out there in the Giants right now? You throw out Geno Smith, even if Odell was healthy. Odell's numbers are going down. You don't need an extra. Five minutes to look at Geno Smith. We know what Geno Smith can do. We know he can't do anything. Why that, are you putting him out there? That's my that's my thing with this is that in theory I don't disagree with benching Eli. On a football if you move, have I don't disagree with a it. younger quarterback that you want to figure out what we have in him. This season is a lost cause. It would make sense if you have a Jimmy Garoppolo type, a second, a third, a fourth round guy, and even yeah. if it was Nathan Peterman. A guy that you don't know who he is, so you want to figure out in the next couple of games, can we rely on him in the future? Can this be the next guy? Where I lose it is it's Geno Smith, who we've already seen start over 20 games in the NFL. He's never had a QBR in a season over 50. He's not that type of young guy that 
all of a sudden we're going to have revelations about in these next couple of games. Therefore, because they don't have that young guy on the roster, I would lean toward playing Eli Manning out of the respect for what he's done but there Bra- for the rest of the season. Brandon, what you just said also, it's it's not like, you know, Baker Mayfield is is sitting there waiting or or Aaron Rodgers sitting there waiting behind Brett Favre. It's Geno Smith. There's no like threat here that Geno Smith is going to take off even if he does have a nice streak that he's the future of this franchise and he's going to lead it. You got Geno Smith and you got Eli Manning and I I think it's one of those things like let him get a game or two, or you might even see the third string, whatever it may be. Eli Manning is still here indefinitely. Whether it's whether he wants to leave or not, that's up to him. But I still think Geno Smith is very temporary, just a fill-in, and just something to change the look here and, and go into this season with hopefully a top-three pick for them. But there's no quarterback. Uh, this could be a hot taker and just a really bad opinion, but I don't think there's a single quarterback that can come out of this draft. I don't think you have your Deshaun Watson in this draft. I don't think you have your, for lack of the past few games, your Dak Prescott in this draft. You, d- you could have said Carson once. Even well, the way well, Dak Prescott's <laughs> playing, he doesn't right. deserve yeah. to be you, mentioned you, that way. The only re- reason I'm saying like a Dak Prescott or a Deshaun Watson is because they're coming in and taking the spot. Carson Wentz kind of came in and played very well right off the bat. Oh, we know it, wasn't, that. it wasn't like an injury that gave him. Well, actually, I shouldn't really say that. But uh, uh-huh. your your Car- Carson Wentz is. You don't have a quarterback right now in this draft class that screams. Get me in, get me in, and start playing. I could oh. be wrong. One might come out. They're usually not even off the top. They're usually like deeper in the draft, like we saw. But yeah, but this is what I think. This ideally, what would happen for New York is Eli's thirty six. At some point, you need the next guy, right? He's not going to be the guy. He's not Tom Brady. He's not going to be this. He's not. I mean, even right now, he's declining. So he's not going to be an, a Pro Bowler at forty. So you need the next guy. They've plummeted so far without Odo Beckham and with a lot of other injuries that theoretically for them, this is their one chance to be at the top of the draft and get that franchise-type quarterback. They want to do what Indianapolis did the year that Peyton Manning was hurt. Have the number one overall pick, draft Andrew Luck, plug him in right away, and be right back into playoff contention. Whether Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, whether any of those guys can be a plug-and-play that remains to be seen, but I do think it's the smart move to make that call to get that guy because they might not be in that position to draft a franchise quarterback at the top of the draft to replace Eli for the next couple of years moving real, forward. And I don't think he's the guy. I don't think you can rely on him past this year. I'll put it. I'll put this real quick. If Joe Flacco and the Ravens don't make it to the playoffs, he's next. No, it's totally Joe, different. There's no shot Joe Flacco leaves the Baltimore Ravens. I would be. I, um, he I would probably be won't. But stunned if they did that to Joe Flacco. No, I, I don't think he'll leave either. But I don't know his spot. I don't think he's as safe as we think. I mean, you said back in whatever it was September. Yeah, the Giants were this team that was going to win. The, I, I'm not at Guilty. all throwing you under the bus. No, I'm saying it. it matter of fact. You said the Giants were going to win the NFC East. Yes, and I thought that that was a somewhat accurate. Prediction mm-hmm. here. We all of us, like agree, most people, also, all of us said it was going to be Giants and Cowboys battling, and the Eagles and Redskins were going to be below. Of course, that's not at all what happened for many different reasons. Okay, improved play, worse play, but to all the shift now from September to the end of November has been so dramatic that to me, this benching and the backlash from it is nothing more than a complete panic move. When your entire team is hurt, your offensive line is terrible, your head coach is even worse, and Eli Manning with a healthy team, we're not having this conversation. So to me, it's it's unfortunate from the Giants' perspective to just all of a sudden say, well, this is it, this is it. 
but I do think it is it. I and think it's, it's it. Yeah. It, I wish it wasn't because I think he's got more. And I wish that the team was healthy because I think that he would have been able to still compete. But based on what they did, I, you said amid they could. He's got more time in New York. I don't see it. I don't see it. I think that I think he's done. All the fans want him there. I don't think the coaching staff. I was going to say he, he got a lot of support throughout with without the league and even in other sports. He's the face but of I the Giants. I didn't hear anything about with the okay. Giants players. I agree well, with what Teddy. Is, because I, they're not going to say this... anything. They have to stand by whoever the coach puts in behind center. Yeah, they can't say, "Well, we don't like Geno Smith." They can't do that. No, they can't do that. I agree with Teddy that, that, that this run with the Giants and Eli is over. The next time the Giants are contenders, it won't be with Eli. Maybe Eli has something left, and maybe he goes to somebody who could be a contender for a couple years in like the twilight, kind of like Peyton Manning did with Denver, and maybe it even is Denver that he would go to. But even with if they had Odell Beckham for 16 games, would they be 2-9? and nine? No. But would they be... 10-1 and one and competing with the Eagles? I don't think so either. I don't think they're that good. I think that this team needs to rebuild, and they have an excellent opportunity to get the next guy at the top of the draft and build around a new quarterback. I, Because they don't have a younger option, I would stick with Eli through the rest of this year, but as far as the larger picture, is Eli the guy next year? I think that answer is no. I think he's going to be somewhere else. Eli's probably... if If he will indeed continue to play football, which I think he still has the capability to go do... I see him in Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a prime. They have the best defense in the NFL. One of the best defenses that I've personally seen in a long time, any year of sports. They have good deep threats. They have a solid offensive line. All they're missing is a quarterback. Nothing against Blake Bortles. I really love Blake Bortles as a quarterback. He's not doing too hot. If Eli goes to that team, that team hands down wins the division. That team can be a very competitive team in the AFC. Yeah. I think that can that's Eli's best landing spot. If he chooses to do that, maybe he chooses to stay with the Giants. I don't know. The big picture, the big thing that I don't really get from this is how can you do that to your guy? I was given a tour on Wednesday, and one of the families was from uh, New Jersey. And after we had talked for a little bit— That's I, a shame. I, I, I said, so, Sorry about that. I said so, so how do you feel about Eli? I, I, and my, I said, are you sad? He goes— you're kidding. I'm sad. He said, no, I'm livid. And I'm telling you, if I'm a Giants fan right now, I am mad. I'm not just sad or like upset about this because it's disrespectful. And like, I mean, I feel like I'm repeating myself here, but I agree with you, Jake. It just for a team who if you would have held on to him and suffered through, even if you just suffered through five more games, got Odell back, tried to fix your team up. This team could compete. I'm not going to say that the Eagles are in a position now to be very competitive in this division for the next few years moving forward, but the Giants are not all of a sudden a bottom feeder in the NFC. This is one really, really bad year, but by making this desperation panic mood, they have now delayed their progress at least a whole nother year. I agree that they should have just suffered through the five games out of respect for Manning, but I disagree that this team if put back together next year, could compete. They have a running game that's a mess. They don't have a good offensive line. Outside of Odell Beckham, they don't have another viable receiving option. Evan defense, Ingram has shown Ingram, his true. shine. I guess I should say at wide receiver. I'm thinking more about Brandon Marshall mm. being terrible before he got hurt and Sterling Shepard not being consistent. Defensively, they're okay. They're not great. I think being at the top of the draft, this is their opportunity to get the next guy. And if Eli has two more years, I'd rather be two years early on getting out from under Eli than two years late. Well, it's a valid argument, and and I will point to the fact that a few changes here and there can make a big difference. 
I'm not about to go comparing to every team, but you look what a few weapons in the passing game for the Eagles has done. Carson Wentz sure. has been great. I'll give him it. But a few weapons certainly helps. And you look at bad running games in the NFL. There's a lot of real bad running games. And some teams are still decent with bad running games. The, I just can't imagine in recent years, or point a finger to it, a collapse like this for a team that we thought was going to be competitive and now could very well end up with the second or third draft pick. It, that's it, It's disappointing for a Giants fan, but yeah. they've... It's over. It's over. And I hope he goes to Jacksonville or somebody that's going to give him a chance to compete. And it's isn't it kind of ironic here that this the end of Eli's career could be reminiscent of the end of Peyton's career without the right. injury I mean, part? That's, that's kind of the last time that a yeah. team had made a big fall. That's what I was going to say. Is they went to number one because they didn't have Manning for the whole season. And with Manning, they probably would have at least been a wild card contender, if not the division contender in that in that. Week AFC South. He's going to go to Jacksonville. That team is, I think, perfect for him because if Eli Manning, much similar to Peyton Manning, can't scramble out of the pocket if you give him a half hour to get out of there, he doesn't have to anymore. He has Chris Ivory in the backfield, who is a great blocking presence, and then he has Leonard Fournette, who can just run everywhere and wherever he wants to run. That team is a great fit for him on offense. I'd like to see him go there, have a, a successful Peyton Manning-esque end of the year, Two one or two seasons, pack it up, call it a day. Geno Smith will get the start on Saturday. You mentioned Jacksonville. They had a, a bad loss to Arizona, although the Cardinals played played tough. So those two teams are tied now at the, at the top of the AFC South. It, it, the Jaguars and the Titans, that is. Who do you like? Jaguars. I love the Jaguars here. I think their defense is, like I said, great. I think you need one good game from Blake Bortles down the stretch. <laughs> Just one. That's all you need. You're a 7-4 and four team. One good game from Blake Bortles so your defense can kind of take a break, regroup. They'll carry you to the end of it. Jalen Ramsey has been the best, if not the second best cornerback or any pass blocker in the NFL. Your line is good. You have Saxonville. They're, I think they should win that division. I also agree. I like Jackson, Jacksonville as well. And if he can just put together not not even one great game, Jake, but even a couple of good games, and you know get to ten wins, win that division, you got a home game now, a home playoff game. So now you're really rolling, and now you're in business. So I think anything could really happen with this Jacksonville team, who's kind of behind, who thought they would be in this position last year. But we'll see what happens. I like them this year, winning this division and possibly hosting a playoff game and maybe getting a well, win. They, well, they would host. They were hosting they a playoff game and possibly getting a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take Jacksonville as well. Tennessee's out of their seven wins has won four of them by four points or less. Uh, their point differential is minus twenty seven. Jacksonville's plus one hundred one. I think Jacksonville um, has been fourth playing. best in the NFL. Yeah. So if anything, their record is below the level they've been playing, and Tennessee has been playing way above. I think what their talent level is, and I think that'll show down the stretch. Tennessee has nothing they do well. They have nothing they do they, poorly. They can run the ball. Well, not they are still giving the ball to DeMarco Murray, which is mind-boggling when you have Derrick Henry, who is outplayed by a lot. I guess it's a contract thing. You want to make him worth the money you just spent on him. But they don't do anything well. They don't do anything poorly. They don't do anything well. They're I think a consistent that team. that team would be a lot different if Mariota wasn't hobbling right now. Mariota wasn't hobbling. hobbling. They used Derrick Henry. Eric Decker played like Eric mm-hmm. Decker should be playing. Corey Davis. Corey Davis. All I have is Rashard Matthews and Delaney Walker to catch a football, which isn't necessarily bad. No, but, but if you had a dynamic top five 
guy in Corey Davis, a solid possession receiver in Eric Decker, it would be a different story. They beat up they beat up on the Colts and the Texans. They get to play the Bengals, <laughs> the Bengals, the Ravens, the Browns. I mean, the bad teams in the AFC, really bad teams. Um, NFC now, the best division by far in the NFL here is the NFC South. And after the Saints lost to the Rams, the Panthers and Saints are now tied. Falcons, keep your, those Falcons. I mean, they could win the division here for a while. The, they're, they're around 500 here. The Falcons, Panthers, Saints right in there. And all of a sudden, it's looking like anything worse than 10 and 6 is not good enough for the wild card. And 10 and yeah. 6 in the NFC. This is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Ten and six might not be good enough for the wild card in the NFC. We're gonna have two teams out of that division make the playoffs. That's what I, I would you're, assume. You're bagging Seahawks or Rams. I, I think I think the Rams are gonna play very well. I just don't think they're gonna be a playoff team. I just wow. really don't think the Rams are gonna. Play. I love the Rams. Really, have, they're sitting at eight wins right do now. Do you think they're gonna lose this weekend? Uh, to Arizona after the big win against New Orleans? No, I think they're going to sh- destroy Arizona. But If anyone, I think they'd lose to Seattle. Yeah, I well, think Seattle's going to be gonna, their hardest competition. So you think they're going to lose? What about the Eagles the next week? Like, how do they get to I think that not the, the Rams are very good. I think the Eagles are just better. So I would definitely pick the Eagles in that matchup. We'll see how it goes for the Seattle uh, and the Rams matchup. But to- I think two teams make it out of this division. Yeah. I have been very excited about the Rams. I been following Todd Gurley. He's been carrying me in all my fantasy leagues. Cooper Cup is now the number one wide receiver alongside Sammy Watkins. That'll be exciting. But it's Seattle. It's the human, like, wild card in Russell Wilson. He can do whatever he can possibly do to win a football game. It's hard to pick against him, but if there's going to be a young team, to be honest, to unseed Seattle, I guess it'll, it will be the Rams. Ted, you mentioned a disappointing AFC, but I think the NFC, the most disappointing team has to be the Detroit Lions. Uh, this is a team who was... How are you going to say the Detroit Lions are more disappointing been, than the Giants? Well, it's kind of been building, though, for Detroit the Giants. The disappointing competitive team. You, Odell was out, and then you kind of like knew after that. You thought the Lions said, would be better than like a 6-5, and 7-4? and four. That's I, who they are. I'll be honest. I don't know if you can pull <laughs> the, this. The Lions are a walking 7-4. <laughs> and four, like. I'll pu- I, You probably could pull this up, too, but I had the Lions to, pick the, uh, to win the division. I don't know if that means anything, but... It just they have quality wide receivers. They have, in my opinion, one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Matt Stafford, and they're just kind of laid an egg against a Packers team who obviously doesn't have Aaron Rodgers, who they still can't really compete against, and a Vikings team who I don't even know who the quarterback is off the top of my head. Case Put some Keenum or whatever. Case Keenum. Oh, no, you, you knew. Keenum. You knew. Case you knew. Keenum no, is a legend. I don't know who it is. Case Keenum. Yeah, but <laughs> Keenum is getting paid this come, offseason. Come on now, and, and you can't even compete. What are they third right now? I'm disappointed in the Lions. I'm sorry. I think they're going to be good again next year. Number one um, in cap space, so they they better be good next year. But. I, I thought I had picked them to win the division, and I'm very disappointed in where they're at right now. You got to give more credit to the Minnesota Vikings here. Uh, I, I know they're nine and two. I know their uh, offense has had some question marks across the board, but the Vikings have rattled off seven straight wins. They lost to the Steelers and they lost to the Lions. The Vikings have a schedule down the stretch. Two road games here: Atlanta, Carolina. If they win those two, they're basically slotting themselves into a first-round bye here. I'm not saying I like them more than the Eagles because right now I don't, but I really like the Vikings here because of that defense. You can look at the Vikings, and if you look at them at the beginning of the year, you can literally run a random name generator, and you could probably have guessed who's leading the team in all of these Vikings categories. You would not have imagined Case Keenum's carrying your team to a possible playoff berth. You would not have imagined that Stefan Diggs is the number two wide receiver 
on the uh, Minnesota Vikings because Adam Thielen has been massive. He's a top five wide receiver in the NFL right now. You would not imagine that your running back core will turn into this committee backfield after injury that Latavius Murray is now running over everybody. Xavier Rhodes has been phenomenal. You have it was so hard to predict that division, and honestly, I would have. I don't know what I said, Ahmed. If you said the uh, Detroit Lions were going to win, I yeah. don't know what I said for that division. We can look back and see, but it was such a wild, wild division that I wouldn't call Detroit disappointing. I just call them surprising that they're there. Well, I will argue that the Vikings leading the North is the least surprising out of any of the NFC teams leading their divisions. At at this point, yes. Mm. It, because because you look okay. a, you look around who said the Eagles are going to win the division outside of Philly? Who or, or even, even in Philly? Even in even, Philly even, who said that. the Rams were going to be 8 and 3? And who thought the Saints, who can only pass, can't run and can't play defense, would be 8 and 3 with but one I, of the best run games in the, the NFL? Best running attack, I know yeah. the Panthers are But those are, are all surprises. I was just I wanted to just highlight that one disappointment. Okay, you know sure. I mean? Sure. Yeah, I, I just, I'm sorry for drawing that comparison here, but you just look across the board in the NFC yeah. here. All of the teams leading their mm-hmm. respective divisions, did not make the playoffs last year. And it just goes to show the differences, the powerhouses from last year, the Cowboys, the Packers, they're not there. Rodgers gets back. I don't know. It might be too little, too late, but I mean, we'll just, see. Just imagine where we would be at if Rodgers was healthy through this whole season. I think everyone would agree they wouldn't be 5-6 and six right now, and they would be maybe not leading the Vikings, but they'd be right there with Minnesota. And then all of a sudden we would have the Packers, the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Seahawks Rams, whoever doesn't win that division, all in the wild card discussion. And maybe then we're looking at eleven and five to get you into the NFC playoffs. Where right now probably ten and six will be that sixth seed. Yeah. But it is very, very competitive. And in stark comparison, the AFC could maybe pull in an eight and eight, a nine and seven team in the wild card. But I also want to say, like, with the exception of the Cleveland Browns, Giants and let's say the 49ers, it's been pretty solid. I mean Everyone else has been to somewhat competitive, and Denver Broncos um, still a competitive team that's the three first, and eight. Few to fall weeks apart now, they're falling yeah. apart, but still a competitive team. That even I guess to 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 this day they're not an easy win. So, the Jets are the most competitive losing yeah. record team I think I've ever seen in my entire life. So you got to give the NFL, I guess I don't know who you give credit to, but give mm-hmm. the whole organization credit because they're putting out a good quality content of teams with again without the exception of like three teams now just a general question here general feeler how you feel about the opinion that the green bay packers mindset right now is not let's win with brett hunley and then we'll see how the playoff goes their mindset honestly their mindset with brett hunley is just survive just live just survive when aaron Rodgers comes back you'll sit on the bench it'll all be okay and we'll let Aaron Rodgers do the work. Well, a lot to still consider there because Aaron Rodgers is still on the IR, and they said because he's on the IR, they're not even going to bother to get x-rays done. And also his last collarbone, they got way too much x-rays done, kind of slowed the healing process. So all that is interesting because we saw him take two 50-yard deep passes in pregames uh, against the Steelers. So I don't know if, I don't know whether they're still in it or not. They're sitting at 5-6, and six, Teddy. I don't know what that means. I think they probably are out of it as far as wild card is concerned. They can still be in it, honestly, if Aaron Rodgers comes back with they gotta win out a and few weeks. Next thing you know, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers possibly coming in. So a lot can still, I guess, happen 
in the NFL with the wild card, as far as the wild card is concerned. Real quick before we go to break, is there any doubt that the Los Angeles Chargers are a legitimate threat to win the AFC West? They're winning the division. They're not winning the division, but I, I'll give them wild card spot. They're steamrolling through the division. Their defense is phenomenal. Phillip Rivers throws at 400 yards. There's nothing stopping them in that division. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. A hard-fought defensive win for the team last night. Simone DeFries, Bailey Cargo, Nicole Anabosi leading the way. So remind me the record now after this Four win. and three. Four and three. This was not a high-scoring game, and they have played some high-scoring yeah, games. It's actually their first uh, under-70 points scored this season. And they were down to 53. Yeah, and last year they averaged, I think, 57 points per game. So it's been quite a change from before. All right. Is it too early to overreact? I don't think so. So nobody but Teddy knows what's going to happen here. Well, that was but a good transition, wasn't it? It was fine. Um, maybe we just ruined it with that. But <laughs> <laughs> nobody, everybody's getting calm. Um, we're going to call this overreaction theater. I'm going to give an overreaction okay. from the first seven games of the season. You don't have to agree with it, but let me know if there's some truth to what I'm saying, and if not, um, why I'm wrong. So for the women's team, my first overreaction from seven games in is that Nicole Anabosi is by far the best player in the conference. So do we? Do we? Say yes or no, or do we rate it on a scale? What's Just the respond. Analytics what do you think? here. When you when I say that, what do you think? I think it's too early to tell, but I think she's really making a case for it. I'll say she. I'll say she is. I think she's a problem. I've seen her only play two times this year, but you can also look at the numbers and the category she leads in the NCAA, or not leads, but she's up there in like top ten, top five. Something she's in like top six and top seven on. I think that's important, and I think in the CAA right now, she is a problem. So let's see. She's only going to get better from here. She already won CAA Player of the Week. and she's, Twice. She's done that like a few times already in her mm-hmm. career. It's not. She's no stranger to that. That's not an overreaction, to, uh, Brandon. No, it's not an overreaction. She's won two of those weekly awards. She's leading her team. She's pretty it's much— It's only been two weeks, get, right? It's, <laughs> it's only been, been two weeks. It's two no, percent. it's not an overreaction at all, no. She leads the CAA in points per game, rebounds per game. And field goal percentage. I also said this jokingly. Like I, I could see her game maybe translating into the next level. I don't want to say she's going to the WNBA, but I could see her continuing a basketball career wherever she goes. The Blue Hens will win two CAA games in the tournament. Last year they were bounced in the first round by William and— well, the second round, but their first game by William and Mary— Two wins, I think, would get them to the CAA championship, and I'd be saying they're losing in that. Assuming they get the the, the, they buy, the buy on the first round, yeah. Um, so maybe maybe you could take it either way. Two wins, whichever way they come. I the say, Blue Hens will win two games in the CAA tournament. I'll say pump the brakes there, Brandon. I think that's an overreaction. Last year they didn't even get one win. If they do get one win, they'll be in, what, the second or third, depending on how they're seated, obviously, with the buy or not. So do I think they'll get one win? Yes. I think two, I would have to say let's just take – Let's just take it easy. Let's take it one game at a time. I I think they can get one. I don't know about two. Obviously, way too early to tell because you're talking about the CAA playoffs. But I'll give them one. I, I don't. I'm not giving them two yet. Um, it. I'm gonna say to take a break on that too. They lost by 15 points in the first round of the CAA tournament. Not saying that's a blowout, but I'm not saying that's a competitive basketball game. Um, I think that one. And then, hey, if they play well, they play well, they get two. But I I would call definitely getting two wins an overreaction. They haven't even played a conference team yet. Pump the brakes big time here. I mean, I know St. Bonnie 
Bon- St. Bonaventure, they, they're called the Bonnies. Talk about dumb mascots. Uh-huh. Right you, up you, there with the big red. You, you, your team is... Big see, green. You, your university, big green at Dartmouth. Yeah. The big green, the big red. Like chewing you, gum? You're, you're St. <laughs> Bonaventure and your mascot's the Bonnies. Anyways, the um, I know they're out of the A-10 and they beat them last night, but they did get held to a lower scoring game. Let's see them play some of the teams in the CAA that have had good last couple seasons, even though I know JMU lost some people, mm-hmm. right? Harris, um, Precious, Precious Hall. Hall yeah. who it's going to be maybe their whole team. going to be a great setting, too, in Philadelphia. Should be a good Delaware crowd as well, wherever that uh, takes place in it's Philadelphia. It's in Philadelphia? It's at Drexel. At Drexel, to be specific, then? Okay, yeah. So it should be a good Delaware crowd as well. Easy trip for us. I, I, got, I got one more for you. I just thought of a great one. 2019, Delaware hosts the CAA Women's Basketball Tournament. They're going to win that and move on to the NCAA Tournament. Is that an overreaction? Based off what we've seen from the changes installed from first year. Uh, I'll say, wait, no, will Jake be gone by then or will you still be here? Jake no, I'll still be here. here. Jake will That'll be, be your last year. Jake's here till 2028. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm like four years old in, in, in a med doc <laughs> no, That'll be, that's next year. That's my year. second to last that's year. That's next year, yeah. yeah that's my second that'll to last year. junior, I'll be here. Be I'll say, yeah, because wow. let's also factor They host next year? 2019. So 2018 is this year's tournament. They host next year? They host 2019. Darn it. Teddy's, we just missed it. Teddy's looking <laughs> Teddy and I will be looking for extra years of eligibility. But I mean again, yeah, you'll we'll see um coach Adair's kind of imprint on the team. I don't know if this is fully, you know, her team. It is obviously her team, but maybe it's not, you know, all of her players maybe not in obviously Bailey Cargo, mm-hmm. Abby Gonzalez, new freshman coming in. Exactly. Year. So we'll see her kind of make that because everybody knows Brandon the season doesn't start the game one. It starts, you know, that summer before, that season before. It starts prior. So we'll see what she can do. I think in a year, we're saying a year, but it's really actually two years. We'll see what she yeah, can really yeah. do. And I think that she'll have that team. Um, obviously, this athletic department's heading in the right direction. They're trending upwards. Why not? I'll give them that NCAA ticket. It's a shot in the dark right now. It's incredibly hard to see how one season translates to the next season. I'm going to say, I mean, I think signs are pointing up. Man, I we think, should name this optimistic or pessimistic. We should have like a <laughs> I think different name. The arrows are pointing in the right direction, so I'll go optimistic. I'll say sure, give yeah, him, Jake, give him the is. win. But I'm just not fully sold even on this season. Yeah. yeah. We'll see how it goes. And you know, maybe it's just kind of a maybe they could, right? Maybe we're like, okay, like it's it's within the realm of possibility. We don't know what all the other teams in the CAA will look like. We don't know what Delaware will look like. But is it outside the realm of possibility that they're a contender when it's here in 2019? No, I think they can contend, exactly. but I'm just so, not So sold. you said they yeah. win the CAA and they go to the NCAA. Bonus one right here. They don't need to win the CAA because they're ranked <laughs> in the country, <laughs> and they still go to the NCAA tournament. Just click a meds mic off. Just, just, just give them a quick break. I think that was a valid, I was a valid bonus overreaction. I don't know. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. Can we talk about... Freshman versus Ryan Daly here. Something that was being posed off air. I got a hot take. Okay, we talked right. about Go. this, Teddy. In the, hot in take the alert. We were. We were. No, right, but, but Brandon verbalized it better than we did. Sure, sure. Go for it. Is Ryan Daly no longer the best player on the team? Uh, I think he still is at this point. I, I would say. I would say short answer. I would still say he is, but it's, yeah, it's short, very close. Short, it's very close. There's a lot answer. Of t- I'm saying yes. There's a lot of talent on that team. I see where you're coming from, and I see where you're trying to take this, Brandon. But right Where now, am I trying to take it? You're trying to take this as there's some freshman up and coming and mm-hmm. and the potential. The like Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof. Um, there are some freshmen that might have a higher ceiling than Ryan Daly. But right now, I think Ryan Daly's a little bit better than maybe some of those guys. 
But I like that. I, that. I like that hot take, Brandon. I like it. I like where your head's at. If Ryan Daly cannot shoot, which he did not do, what was he like four for fourteen on Monday against Yale? If that happens, he might be in trouble because we free throw so- struggles too. He, which always amazes me. Just a side note here. If you're such a good shooter, why can't you knock down free throws? You just stand there at the free throw line. There Nobody even guards it's you. Did anybody game. watch the Wizards Sixers last night and all the free throws that were hack, shot there? Hack of Simmons. No, that don't talk about disgrace. NBA. Y'all wanted to cut it, so don't talk about it now. Right, it's sorry, too late. Sorry, sorry. We were, we were on the topic of free throws, and immediately <laughs> but, 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 I think about Ben Simmons missing 14 of them. <laughs> Oh, but but across the board here. I mean, yeah. the, the, whether you're a professional player, a college player, you That's got a good point. you're the first recruit for Coach Inglesby. You got the rookie <laughs> of the year last year. Everybody's Ryan Daly this, Ryan Daly that, and you're sitting at the free throw line and you can't knock down a free throw <laughs> when nobody's. St- I just it always baffles me because these guys are are you know on scholarship. They're making these plays outside of it, and this is, should be the easiest one. Oh, I thought you were say they're making money outside. They are. <laughs> they're getting stipends, too. They are making Ooh. money. Oh. Getting a little problematic well, let's now. Let's talk about the threes a little. I, I apologize he, for that He rant. shot 33% last year from three. 33.9. So it was a 34% from three last year. He was making about two a game. This year, he's shooting 25% from three. He's up from the floor, um, but he's taking about one less shot a game. And if you think about really the prime of the season, CAA play, he was probably taking a little bit more attempts because he started last year as a reserve. So the percentages are down. The points are just slightly down, 15.4. But to me, and I throw, hate to throw out the word eye test, but watching him on Monday, I don't see the dyna- any kind of dynamic. Um, he looks slow. He's definitely gotten bigger, and they were playing him, at least in the starting lineup, kind of as a power forward, so he was giving up height to those big guys, but I view him as not quite big enough to keep up with the big guys. They were definitely dominating him down low and not quite quick enough right now to keep up on the perimeter and get by guys off the bounce. So he's very physical. He can draw contact inside. He does get to the free throw line, and he's been hot in spells, but if he's shooting 25% from three, that does kind of eat away at his offensive game, and if guys sag off of him, he's going to have a tough time getting to the rim. It's also one of those things I think Anthony Mosley's kind of picking up where he lacks, but I don't think it should be like that. I think both guys should be complete players, and right now Anthony Mosley obviously having a hot stretch right now, and we saw what he did against Yale in the second half specifically, but I think both guys need to be complete, and I just don't see like a, 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 a team of complete players. And part of why I also said that is kind of what you were saying, Ahmed, it's not just that maybe he's taking a slight step back or maybe he's just the same and he's not progressing. It's that they do have these new guys coming in that have shown some ability. And I don't know if there's one guy that you can point to yet to say, okay, he's better than Daly. But we've seen some really nice things from Kevin Anderson, I thought. And I really was impressed with Ryan Allen on Monday. I'd like to see... He he really gets up there when he shoots. Yeah, I'd like to hear what you guys have to think about him. And then there's also Kyrie Walker, who hasn't quite been out there as much, but I thought gave some good minutes, at least defensively on Monday. I was just telling Teddy at the game, he's kind of a guy you don't need to really set plays for. He's kind of out there. He can easily dunk the ball. He can get, we see him almost a dunk a game. So he gets there. He's kind of the garbage guy, clean up, really will do anything you ask him to. But we we were talking about uh, Ryan Allen. Guy gets up. And again, you just look for certain things in the shooter, elevation, hips, shoulder. I'm not a shooting coach, but there's just things you should know, like when you're shooting. Just, beef. You know what I mean? And he has all of it. It's yeah, Hand, hand elbow, eyes, follow through, beef. It's it's all of it, and it's it's great, and you see that from him. And it's kind of a weird-looking lefty shot, too. 
maybe because I'm a lefty, so I can appreciate it. But it's cool. <laughs> I, I always find a lefty shot to uh, be cool. But again, he's got everything, so it looks cool. And I, I think he he can be better than Daly at some point. But right now, he's not. Would you Would you tell me after the game the other day? You said you, you know I, I I hate to like throw out my wisdom, but shooting is eighty percent in the legs. That's it what, is. 80, well, yeah. I mean, be beef. Bend your bend your knees. Yeah. Elbow mm-hmm. with ninety degrees. Uh, eyes look at the basket and follow through. Yeah. And you know what they always say? Get right up there, mm-hmm. like right by the basket, and, and just if you need to work on your shot, you do that. And I can tell that this is a guy who clearly works on his shot because when he elevates up through to shoot, Ryan Allen we're talking about here, he is not that, what is he, 6'2"? Yeah, he's, he's not, not he's that not tall. A, yeah. But he elevates over these these taller players and is able to get a good release here. And not to say Daly is somebody who's worse than him, but Ryan Daly has a different way he shoots, so there's a little bit of dynamicism from Ryan Allen that may lead us to say, well, Daly, is he really? So it's a legitimate question to pose here. Is he? Because these freshmen and Anderson didn't play the other day, but we saw what he did at the end of the day. Probably, probably, the fact that we're having this conversation is really good. Because it shows that there's more options. Well, there's five players on the team averaging 10-plus points per game right now, which is a, a good sign for a team that last year riding the t- end of the tournament was kind of just Ryan Daly throw the ball up and uh, hope it goes in the rim. All right, call it a day. Let's get back on defense. Can't take him off the floor. Right. Now, rotating with five players scoring 10 points per game, you have players that are getting minutes on and off the court. You have Darren Bryan, who's played in all seven games right now. You have Derek Woods, who's done the same. You're getting more options for him. Whether that means that Ryan Daly will play better because he doesn't have to score as much, Ryan Daly will play worse because he doesn't have to. Sh- now he doesn't shoot as much and get the ball in his hands. A little too early to tell right now. This many games in, we'll give it a few more games well, to see. But let's I- let's change it up here because you said, Brandon, you said that Ryan Daly w- could possibly be surpassed by his other fellow backcourt mates or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Let's go, Eric Carter. Assuming that he does get healthy, but he doesn't really progress, is he the best big man on that team? Big man, sure. Because um, we've seen Derek Woods progressing nicely as well. Yeah. But is that just in the wake of an unhealthy player? Because we've seen I Derek think- Woods be effective, and I, I like I, me and Teddy personally, we appreciated more of what he brought rather than what Eric Carter brought. I it think- gave me a little flair of Barnett Harris. Yeah, a little bit with a little bit more like consistency and a little bit more like play design. Like you can actually go a little bit more it. like fundamentals Barnett besides Harris, you just don't jumping go- up in the air. Well, I think I think Carter's got a little bit more of an offensive game. Sure, you can dump it in the post to him. And he's got a little hook shot in the middle of the lane if he gets posted up low. There was a play on Monday where they ran pick and roll with Woods. And they got him the ball. I think it was Allen fired one in there. He had it beat on the block. One-on-one. And he didn't finish it. Like, you got to be able to finish when you get that low post position. So he leaves something for me to be desired on offense. Right now, at 